0: It is good to be with each and every single one of you. I don't know where you're joining from today, but I am excited to be with you. There's a huge part of me that's just kind of excited that Easter's over. Um, and I'll tell you why. Uh, leading up to Easter was a haul. I don't know what it was like in your world, but we were plowing at the Hensel House. Uh, I woke up on the Tuesday after, the, uh, or the Tuesday before Easter. And I was locked up. If you guys were here this past weekend, man, I was, you know, so I'm calling the doctor, like, give me all the steroids you got. My son cracked his uh, leg, so he's, gonna, like, he's going to the hospital getting in a boot. Uh, my, son, my other son gets food poisoning, so he's like in and out of bathrooms. My wife gets sick, can't move. My dad has open heart surgery. Like, it's been a, first of all, whoa, that was very kind of you. I appreciate that. It was fine. We're Hensels, we're prone to heart attacks. We gotta watch the cheeseburgers, which is why you know me. I only eat Culver's when it's important, okay? (laughs) And, uh, uh, you know, anyhow, like it was there was just a lot. There were uh, campuses, uh, multiple campus pastors across our region were down for the count. We had worship pastors who were sick. There was just a lot of, um, depending on where you are on the spiritual spectrum, uh, opposition. Felt like a, a taller hill to climb. And uh, I'm just, I'm, I've been looking forward for an opportunity to be together and hang out with you and not have bright yellow lights searing my eyes and making me a colorblind. And we have so much to be thankful for. Um, and I, I just want to talk on the front end just with a couple groups of people. Um, to those of you who uh, serve and give um, at this church, I want to say just a special thank you to you because this past weekend was an incredible weekend of ministry and opportunity at our church. And uh, you, uh, we couldn't do it without you, it, it's just not possible. And uh, we're so thankful we get an opportunity to do it with you. Um, we're celebrating the fact that uh, between all of our different locations, um, we had over 10,000 people physically attend, over 4,000 people watch online, and that is a big deal. It's a really big deal. Because those people are your friends and your family members and your neighbors. And some of you who aren't a part of our church be like, why why is this church excited about 10,000 and all that? I want you to hear that number so that way you know uh, you're not weird and you're not alone. That there are a lot of people who are turning to God and asking questions and trying to figure out their faith. Um, One of the things that Satan can do is he can try to isolate you and think that you're like the only nut job. And what I want you to realize is there's actually people all across this region who are trying to seek out and follow God and figure out what that looks like in their life. We had 21 baptisms, some of them were spontaneous. Uh, You just saw that baptism video while we were singing, and we, oh my goodness, we need to never take that for granted, that every single week we're seeing people's lives changed. Um, You know, you see it for six seconds, but you don't know how many prayers were prayed, how many uh, conversations were had, how many uh, tears were shed leading into that six seconds that you get to see. I grew up in a church where if we saw that many baptisms in a decade, we would have been feeling like we were in revival. And I just don't ever want to be a church. And you guys, you know, you're a part of this, so this isn't just me that ever takes moments like that for granted. Um, So that being said, um, there's probably some of you who who just came back. You like you know what I went to church on Easter. That was fun, and you know what I'll come back because I'm you know I'm I'm, I'm bored this weekend, and I want you to know we're so glad that you're here, and I want to let you know uh, we have incredible ministries at this church, and one of the incredible ministries we have is our kids ministry, our zero to eighteen ministry. We call it this gen, and if you uh, I want to encourage you to try and get connected to that ministry, it's going to be really good for your child's spiritual development. It's going to be really good for you as you try to be a parent. While it may be fun at times to have them in the auditorium hanging out with you, the best place for them to learn about God is not from Jerry or I from this stage. It's in an age-appropriate environment where they get to see other people and make relationships and grow. And sometimes, kind of like today at the end of my message, I'm going to say things that you're probably going to have to answer questions later, and you probably don't want to have to do that because I don't want to do it either, which is why my kids are back there. Okay? Uh, So pay attention to that. That's a great resource for you. For the next four weeks, we're going to be in a sermon series called Surrounded. Surrounded. And we're going to look at the four groups of people that surrounded Jesus during his earthly ministry. And we're going to take a look at the groups of people that he invested in and people that were in close proximity to him. Jesus was always surrounded. He had to work really hard to get alone. How many of you feel like you have to work really hard to get alone because no matter where you go, there's people? Uh, the other day, while I was on the toilet, everybody in my house came through. And I, I'm like, there's how many rooms in this house? As soon as I sat down, it was like everybody wanted to talk. And I'm like, this is a sacred time right now. This I'm praying, okay? <laughs> this is my prayer closet. This is my war room. And uh, actually, it was a bit of a war room, to be honest with you. But got have got to be honest with you. You appreciate that about me. And... Uh, you just need some time alone. Jesus had to actually fight to get some alone time because he was always surrounded. There were people who were looking for hope, and there were people who were looking for someone to lead them into the future. There were some people that actually cared for Jesus, and there were others who wanted to silence him and destroy him. While people surrounded Jesus for a variety of reasons, Jesus allowed himself to be surrounded for two reasons. He wanted to love him, and he wanted to redeem him. And what if you saw some of the inconveniences? What if you saw some of the people that were sucking the life out of you as an opportunity to love, an opportunity to redeem? There are lots of people surrounding you. There are people you like, and there are other people, (laughs) All right? My grandpa used to say there's three kinds of people in the world. Uh, People you care what they think about you, people you don't care what they think about you, and people you haven't met. And there's probably, you're going, if I were to pick some people in my life, there's some people I really care about, there's some people I don't care about, and then there's all the other people I haven't met. And some people are like, you think you're in one category, but you're in the other category. How do you deal with that as a Christian? How do you deal with some of the people that you're surrounded by? Well, how did Jesus deal with these situations? Well, if you're wondering, how do I live as a Christian? How do I operate in a surrounded state? the sermon series is for you. And you might be new to this Jesus thing and you might be wondering if there's room for you next to Jesus. I remember I having those feelings. Like you see the super spiritual people and you're like, ah, oh, it makes total sense that they get to be with Jesus, but I mean, you know, I'm a bit of a mess. Like where do I fit in to the Jesus picture? A while back I talked about a spiritual continuum from minus five to plus five. At what point did you think that you're, it's okay for you to be by Jesus? Like I remember feeling like I had to be like a plus four before Jesus would be okay with me hanging out with him. Um, What if I told you that doesn't matter where you are on the spiritual spectrum, uh, you can have access to Jesus? What if uh, the people that are around you, it doesn't matter where they are on the spiritual spectrum, they could have access to you? And you 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 might be going, but Clayton, I have some crazy ideas and I have a crazy past and I just want you to know, So did some of the people who surrounded Jesus and that didn't bug him. He let him in anyway. So before we jump in, I want to welcome those of you here, those of you joining at all of our different locations, to those of you who are part of our online family and our inside family, we're so thankful that we get an opportunity to do ministry with you and I hope that this sermon series will be a blessing to you. When I was in high school, uh, before school, during study hall and during lunch, uh, everything happened in for better, in the multi-purpose room, which is where we ate, and they had circular tables of eight chairs, and so every time you walked into this room, there were tables, and there were certain people that were at certain tables, and I don't know what it was like in your world, um, but like at our, in our high school, uh, there was like the cool kid table, and then there was the wish we were cool kid table. And, like, if a spot wasn't taken at the cool kid cable, though, wish they could be cool kids would, like, try and sit in that chair for, you know, a day. And then there was, um, there was whatever sport was in season table. So if it was football season, all the football people would hang out, that kind of stuff. Uh, then there was the camo table. It was where, the, okay, that was, there just was. It was just a, a couple tables of camo. And um, then there was the smart kid table. And then there was the, I need to get my homework done fast table. And sometimes the smartest of us, and I used us, if you needed to get your homework done fast table, you don't sit at the need to get your homework done fast table. You sit at the smart kid table, (laughs) okay? And every time you went in, depending on your status or your situation, you would try to get a seat at the appropriate table. And there were certain people that I always looked out for when I walked into school, and uh, there was one guy named Neil. He was super smart, and he was very accommodating. <laughs> and if I was behind on some homework, I could be like, hey, how did you solve this? Do you remember, did you get the same answer I got? I got 716. He's like, no, Clayton, it's 212. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 Silly me. Carry the two. I get it now. Okay? <laughs> sometimes you have to do it. Okay? Well, I just, I got, that was kind of how I worked. And sometimes I would, like, connect people. Like, oh, man, you need help with this? Oh, you should talk to so-and-so. Like, that was just kind of how God hardwired me. Well, I went to, uh, I went from high school where, where, where I had a pretty decent uh, group of p- friends. I went to Bible college, and I didn't know anybody. I hadn't even been to the school when I got dropped off, and my parents dropped me off without a vehicle. So I was like, I guess, I guess here I am. And there were some people that showed up at Bible college that had pedigree, like they would walk into the class and the professors would be like, Oh, you must be so and so son. Your dad leads such a good church. And like they knew everybody. And I walked in and nobody, no nobody knew me. And there were certain professors that were circling up certain kids and then making a strategic investment in them. And I never got picked. And in the back of my mind, what I told myself is, the reason I didn't get picked is all the professors thought that I had already been picked, and so they didn't try to have the awkward conversation with me, when in reality, nobody <laughs> went, hey, you. So I was at Pizza Hut, eating with a group of guys, and I would just started finding people, and I'd take them out to lunch and buy them pizza. And that way I, would take, I would say, I'd ask a professor, I'd ask a couple of college guys that were older than me, just take them out to lunch and talk to them. Well, someone bet me that I could not create a fake club at the school. This is going to sound super dorky. I know this. Just track with me. And uh, because I was from Iowa, and I said, oh, yeah, I could make a club called Wannabes of Iowa. Now, who would want to be from Iowa if you're not from Iowa? Well, I took that as a challenge. And uh, we held it at Pizza Hut, and they had the punch cards where if you ate five, you got the sixth one free. And so I started on Tuesdays after chapel, I would host a wannabes of Iowa, and you would get inducted with uh, five Iowa power claps, I would introduce you, and then as part of you being inaugurated into the group, we pulled out a map of the state of Iowa, and you had to pick your hometown, and you had to sign it. Well, it got out of hand. And when I say it got out of hand, uh, here's what happened. Um... They closed down Pizza Hut for me at lunch on Tuesdays. I met the regional manager because I single-handedly changed their bottom line. The founder of the school, the board of trustees, the president, the dean of students, and every single professor ended up attending. Uh, It was so big that I had protesters at my college who would pop their collars on Tuesday because that was the day that I would take people to Pizza Hut. Because I'm a polarizing figure. Now, this was, sing- we raised money for the school. It got so far out of hand. I one time put $5,000 worth of pizza on my dad's credit card. I paid it all off, but that's how big this thing got, just for perspective, okay? And at the time, I was making like $2,000 a year. <laughs> now, the whole, The whole reason I ended up doing this was because I wanted uh, college kids to have an opportunity to be surrounded by a professor, if only for a meal, to get an opportunity to learn from them and connect with them. Well, five years later, Jerry and I, or Jerry, not Jerry and I, Jerry gets invited to go back to preach at the Bible College. And he takes me with him. And in the middle of his message, he goes, hey, we'll have Clayton come up here and talk for a second. And I get up there and I make a wannabes of Iowa joke at the college and nobody gets it. And I'm used to jokes not falling flat and it was a good joke and nobody. The biggest thing outside of Jesus Christ that had happened at that school in the last 10 years was wannabes of Iowa. Like the only thing missing was a statue in my honor at the college. That's not an understatement. I can't can't even fathom how dumb and crazy this thing was. And nobody got it. And the reason nobody got it is because I left nobody behind. In all of the interactions and all of the investments, I didn't pass any of the principles of what that was to the next group of people to make sure there were connections. When Jesus came to earth, not only was his, his primary goal was to bring salvation, the healing of souls for every single one of us. But a second thing was to make sure that that mes- message got out. And so he picked a group of people to pass it on. And you would be surprised at who he picked. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 10. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James son of our Andrew, James son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Like as soon as you're introduced to Judas, they're like, this guy gets an F, right? They don't even wait. They're like, this guy, no good. Now, every time you read the disciples, they're mentioned three times in scripture. It's a bit of a different list. Don't let that confuse you. Uh, Because they were written to different audiences and by different authors, uh, you know how some of you, you know, I don't wanna do this because it'll get weird, But you have a name, but you go by something else. Whether it's your nickname or, uh, you know, someone forwarding your name. Like, I don't ever go by Clay. If you call me Clay, I'm like, there are a lot of great churches in town. Like, that's just, you should pick one because you're going to love it there. Like, now, there's other people that love the name Clay. Totally fine. I'm just a Clayton. My parents gave me seven letters in my name. We're going to use all seven of them, all right? And... You might have your own thing. That's when you're reading through scriptures, don't go. I don't understand why these things don't mix. Don't, don't get tripped up by that. Now, here is what these, uh, here's what these names are. And I want to walk you through some of these guys. And some of them you know, some of them you don't. So here's uh, Simon, uh, who Jesus changed his name to Peter. Jesus gives out nicknames. You kind of like that about him. He's kind of like that, he's got a cool uncle flavor to him, right? He's like, ah, oh, I'm going to call you Peter. Uh, he's the one who walked on water. He's the one who opened his mouth before he knew what he should have said. You guys all, you know, some of you married that guy, right? Check this out. He's got a brother uh, named uh, Andrew. It was at Peter's mother-in-law's house that uh, the guys ripped open the roof and lowered the paralyzed man on the mat. That's kind of cool. Because if you were ever gonna do something to your mother-in-law, that's the thing you wanna do, right? Like, baby, it's Jesus, you know what I mean? So... You can't get mad at me because it's him, but you're like, you're gonna wanna fix that roof, okay? Now there's Andrew. Here's the crazy thing about Andrew. Jesus picks an inner three. He picks Peter, James, and John. He doesn't pick Andrew. But you know what's super cool about Andrew? Every time Andrew's mentioned in scripture, he's doing one thing, bringing people to Jesus. How cool is Andrew? Uh, Here's one of them. Uh, some, some Greeks come, some Gentiles, some people who wouldn't have been welcomed into the circle, and they have questions about faith. They go to Philip. Philip doesn't feel comfortable talking to Jesus about it, so Philip goes to Andrew, and Andrew takes the questions to Jesus. Uh, you know who else Andrew introduces to Jesus? Peter. You know who else Philip introduces to Jesus? A little boy with five loaves and two fish. Man, if you wanted to be a church that like reached people, we've got to have some Andrews. That like they're just always bringing people to Jesus. You're like my favorite group of people at our church. Like every time you show up, you're bringing a new friend. Like that's just your heart. You can't go to the gas station. You can't eat at a Mexican restaurant. You can't get a pedicure without going, hey, do you want to come and sit with me? And listen, our church at all of our locations, we've got to have some Andrews. Then you have James and John. These are the sons of Zebedee. Jesus gives them a nickname. He calls them the Sons of Thunder, which of all the nicknames is bad to the bone, right? Like, we, we are getting too weak with our nicknames. Yeah, this is Clayton. We call him Thunder. I, come on, man. We've been naming biceps. We should have been naming other people. These guys are prideful. They're arrogant, and they're hot-headed. These are the guys who... Um, who um, you would have maybe told your kids to steer clear of. And Jesus is like, yeah, you can roll with me. Chances are, these guys were his cousins, which makes it even cooler. Of course he gave him his nicknames, because he's been playing kickball with them, and knows what it's like when they get out. And they're like, they they get in a fight, and Jesus is like, you guys are pretty thunderous. Sons of thunder. Then you have Philip, then you have Bartholomew, then you have Thaddeus, you have Judas Iscariot, which we have already know about him, he messes it up. You got, uh, you got Thomas, also known as Didymus, which means he's nicknamed the twin. I don't know if he has a twin brother or not, but the Bible tells us, that's hey, he's also known as Didymus, the twin, which is cool, because it makes you wonder this isn't super spiritual. If he had a twin, was it identical? And if they were identical, do you ever wonder if like Thomas and Timmy switched spots with Jesus and they had gotten away with it their whole life and then Jesus walks in, Timmy, what are you doing here? (laughs) Oh, I'm Thomas. (laughs) (laughs) I made you, man. Quit doing that with me. Get out, okay? Anyhow, this is not spiritual. We'll get to the spiritual stuff. Uh here's, uh here's Thomas, and uh, he was famous for struggling to believe after Jesus' crucifixion. And i got to be honest with you, I'm not one of those guys who likes to call him Doubting Thomas, because that's a pile of, that's a pile of poo, and I'll tell you why. Um, do you want to be nicknamed by your struggle? Yeah, I didn't think so. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad if we do, but I'm just saying... This guy was a really good dude who did really good things and we just want to check out. But check out what happens. After John chapter, or John chapter 20, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So pause. All the other guys got to see that Jesus was alive. And so they've been able to get their heads around the fact that there's a resurrected Jesus. But he wasn't there. Now you tell me what you would do if your wife came home and said, you remember the dog that died? That we buried? Put six feet under? I saw him running around chasing the cat today. What? I'm sweetheart, it was it must have looked like him. No, sweetheart, our dog, Fido, was running around the neighborhood. Look, he's upstairs. Do you hear him? No, I don't. You would have been looking at your spouse going, You're crazy. This is Thomas. He's going. What do you mean he's alive? Because dead people don't come back from the dead. This is him. This is a real deal. The other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into the side, I will not believe. That's reasonable. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, this is what tells us about our heavenly bodies, because our resurrected bodies will be like Jesus' bodies. So check out some cool stuff we're going to get to do. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. So he's walking through walls, just showing up, which means we're going to have a lot of fun when 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 we get our resurrected bodies. Then he said to Thomas, so he shows up, Peace be with you. Thomas. Heard you had some questions. Can I see your finger? Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. That's Thomas. He was a normal guy who wrestled with faith, trying to figure out what to make of this Jesus thing. And some of us, we've all been in that spot. Then here's two other people. I want to go back to this thing, to the 12 disciples. There's two here. One is Simon the Zealot, and the other one is, where is he on here, Matthew. Simon, they call him Simon the Zealot for one reason, or the Zealot for one reason, because he was a Zealot. He was a part of Jewish people who were frustrated at Roman occupation. He wanted to overthrow the Roman government. He wanted to push back against all the things that that his people were experiencing. He was a rabble rouser. He was the guy who was meeting late at night trying to come up with plans on how to overthrow the government. We know people like this. This is him. And then you have Matthew, also known as Levi, the tax collector. Well, Matthew would have been the sellout in the group. Matthew was the guy that when Rome came to town said, I'll collect taxes for Rome. And so he goes to all of his hometown friends and he is taking money from them. And the way Matthew makes his money is he skims off the top. And he is the one who is channeling the money to Rome that is oppressing his friends. So in Jesus' circle, you have a guy who wants to overthrow Rome and a guy who is funding it. What was that campfire like? If you were to pull up into Jesus' house and see the vehicles parked outside for his small group, you'd have had bumper stickers on both sides of the aisle. You'd have had beat-up pickup trucks and brand-new F-350s. You'd have had rusted-out minivans, and you'd have had Jaguars. You'd have had Not My President and God Bless America and whatever bumper sticker from whatever crazy person you roll with And somehow, check this out, they're allowed to be surrounded by Jesus. That their present situation wasn't a hindrance to Jesus giving them access to him. And what happened over time is these guys laid down their earthly mission for a heavenly one. They laid down their earthly agenda for a heavenly one. They did not get united because they believed that they they agreed on the earthly methods. It was when they realized that the thing that they wanted in their heart could only be fulfilled in heavenly ways. And that group of people got united. And that's the group of people that Jesus wanted to leave everything with. A divided group who would have been frustrated with each other, who would have hated each other. And he goes, yeah, you're going to be my life group. Think of how crazy that is. Think of the people that you get frustrated when you see their car in the parking lot. And Jesus will be like, I think you and you should be in my group. That unity isn't us agreeing on everything here on earth. It's actually agreeing that the most important thing we could do are heavenly things. When we finally realize that we're not going to create the kind of change we want through marches and movements, through yard signs and bumper stickers, through boycotts and super PACs, but it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit and personal investment and spiritual growth by leveraging our hearts in spiritual ways. Jesus surrounded by himself with people who were searching and people who were looking and people who were unsatisfied. And our church has to be a place for people who haven't got it all figured out yet. And if you're going, I don't have my faith figured out yet, I want you to know at this church you are in good company. Because the people that Jesus picked had huge struggles and massive failures their spiritual, uh, they would Peter, for example, would do something great for God and then he would just blow himself up. And we've seen that over and over again. James and John were prideful and hot-tempered. They got themselves into situations where they were spiritually outmatched and spiritually confused. All the disciples spent a, hard, a lot of time trying to figure out how to understand Jesus' message. This was a constant challenge for Jesus and his people. He didn't pick the most spiritual people or the most put-together people to be around him. He picked normal people. He picked us kind of people. People with moments of brilliance and people who struggle with backsliding. They were allowed in Jesus' circle. And so if your spiritual growth looks more like an EKG, this is a place for you. We have grace for that because he has grace for us. One of the most encouraging characteristics about the group of people that surrounded Jesus is that they had questions and doubts. The church should be a place with people who are questioning their faith and have doubts about their faith. Because Jesus had people close to him who struggled in really big ways. I already read about Thomas, right? Here's a verse that doesn't get preached nearly enough when people struggle with doubts. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 28. For those of you who are super spiritual, you know that this is the last chapter in Matthew. Matthew. Uh, at the very end of this, we go into Matthew 28, 19, and 20, which is the Great Commission. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey. Okay, all the, all my commands. And surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. Okay, that's, and then it ends. Like the story of Jesus through Matthew's eyes ends. Check out the verses right before that. Then the, this is 40 days after Jesus has been rolling around them with them in a resurrected state. <clears throat> this is why I have a problem with Thomas being doubting Thomas because there, there were 10 other fools who were struggling. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. Can anybody else read that? but some doubted. Doubt, scripturally, means standing in two places. Have you ever stood in two places? Man, I love her. Oh, but I can't stand her. (laughs) Okay, right? I love you, son, but you better get away from me. You ever stood in two places? Man, I believe in Jesus, but man, it's hard to believe in Jesus. Have you ever stood in two places? They worshiped him. I don't know what this is all about. This still doesn't make sense to me. It's not just Thomas. There's a whole crew of people after spending 40 days with the resurrected Jesus who still had questions. And I want this to be a place for people who have questions. So I want your help. Uh, We've got a QR code, and I'm going to go through this super fast. But if you don't do it now, make sure you do it before you leave. But if you click on that QR code, it's going to take you to uh, a a link tree, and there's a spot on there that says Sermon Survey. Okay? Here's how you're going to help me out. You're going to want to do this. If you miss out, you're going to hate church forever. Ready? Go to the next slide. I want you to let me know where you have questions, and I want to preach sermons that address them. I want to help you with your questions. I don't want us to run from them. I want us to run into them. So you might be going, uh, "I want to know what heaven's like." That's interesting to me. Or, "I want to know what, what God has a plan for my life." Or, "I want to know how to share my faith with my friends because they matter to me." Or, "I'm I'm dealing with difficult people." Or Uh, I want to have a better marriage because the one I got stinks, but I I think I should, you know, figure out how to fix it instead of leave it. I want to figure out how to become a godly leader. I want to lead. I want to expand on my leadership skills. I want to defend my faith. I want to understand how to creation and evolution, and can the Bible be trusted, and can the Bible and science be harmonized because my kids are getting taught this, but I feel like I have a faith. How do I, how do I put these things together? It doesn't make sense to me. Then you could pick something else. You'd be like, I want I want information on Clayton's fashion. Like, I want to hear how he gets that fly. You can, uh, then you're going to go to the next one, and you're going to go, I want to figure out how to, how do I overcome addiction with God's help, or how do I handle stress, or I want to talk about forgiveness because maybe you're going, I've never forgiven others, or maybe you've never forgiven yourself. I need help with that. This is on me. I don't understand, like, if, if God's really healed me, why do I still struggle with you might be going, "I want to know how to like read my Bible because when I read it I get confused or I want to know how to how to pray or I want to know what it means to worship or fast or you want to get out of a spiritual rut like you feel like you've just worn the same thing and you've lost your first love or maybe you're going, "Man, I need help raising my kids in today's culture cuz it's a it's getting bad out there." You could cl- you could click other. You could be like, "Hey, I want to know, you know, what Clayton thinks about CNN." Okay, go to the next one. I'm interested in more of these topics. How do I handle burnout? or family, or hope, or how do I navigate my time, or my identity, or what does the Bible say about finances because does God have anything to speak into my financial situation? Talk to me about death and what happens. Talk to me about the Holy Spirit. Go to the next one. And I'm asking all of you to do it because it's gonna inform me. I want you to answer for sure this one. Tell me where you're at in your spiritual journey. Man, I've been hanging out here, but I'm not following Jesus yet. I'm just here because, you know, I like to sing songs, and you know, this is the only place in town with live music. I don't know. Uh, Maybe I'm brand new to my faith. You're going, I just got baptized, man. I just started coming, man. This is all brand new to me, and you're way ahead of me. Or you might be going, Clayton, I was, to be honest with you, I was with Jesus. Like, I've been following him that long. Like, I was, that Matthew 28 passage, I was there. Like, I've been with him since before there was a Bible. Okay, fine. Let me know. That'd be cool for me to know. Here's the cool thing as a church, We want to be a place where you can have questions about your faith and that doesn't push you away, you get brought in. That when you're here at the cross and you can have questions and we don't have to be afraid of them, that they can lead to our greatest discoveries. The disciples had questions and doubts, but that didn't stop them from growing in their faith. These guys who struggled with their faith ended up finishing strong with their faith. These group of guys who are prone to fail and prone to make mistakes they went on to do incredible things for the cause of Christ, even though there was a period in their life where they wrestled with questions and they had doubts. Even though there was a period in their life where there were things that they didn't understand, God went on to use them in amazing ways. And I think the same can be true for you. John, one of the sons of thunder, went on to write the book of John, First John, Second John, Third John, he went on to write Revelation. Everything you know about heaven came from a guy who used to be called the son of thunder. The prideful guy went from never even mentioning his name. He just called himself the disciple of Jesus' love, which is kind of like a humble flex, like it's a humble brag, but he doesn't list himself. He was the only one who died of old age. He was exiled to the island of Patmos for spreading the faith. James, his brother, was the first to die. You can read about that one in Acts chapter 12. Peter was killed by the Emperor Nero in 64 AD, and he refused to be crucified the way Jesus was crucified, so they crucified him upside down. The guy who denied Jesus before his crucifixion refused to die like Jesus. He didn't deserve the honor of dying right side up. Andrew, his brother, the guy who all he ever did was bring people to Jesus, he was crucified on an X-shaped cross, which is how you get St. Andrew's cross. Bartholomew, he was filleted, his skin removed from his body, and then he was crucified. Matthew, the tax collector, was beheaded. James, son of Alphaeus was beaten to death with a club. Thaddeus was crucified. Simon the zealot was crucified. And Thomas, the one that everybody wants to call Doubting Thomas, died at the tip of the spear all the way in India. This is before planes, trains, and automobiles. This is a guy who hoofed it from Jerusalem all the way to India to tell people about the guy who he put his hands in the holes of Jesus' hands. Every single one of them pushed past their doubts and they finished strong. And their testimony is what gave birth to my testimony. Because when I was trying to figure out the questions about my faith, one of the pillars that God used to bring about substantial change in my life was I had to ask myself this question. Why would a group of guys who were so close to Jesus all die for the cause of Christ? There's no way that those guys would have died for a lie. Universally, across the landscape, every single one of them going, I'm not... They died because they preached this gospel, that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, that he died on the cross at the hands of Pontius Pilate, was laid in a borrowed tomb, and three days later, came back to life. They preached this gospel, he's alive. And every one of them died for it, with the exception of John. And that made me go if those guys believed it, I can too. And I'm hoping you guys will consider that as we move to this time, a decision. (laughs) I went long, so I gotta be quick, okay? Sorry about that. Uh, I wanna talk to three groups of people, real quick. Uh, Group number one, you're struggling with your faith. You don't believe yet. You're still trying to figure it out. You don't know. This sounds crazy, little whack, doesn't make sense. I've watched the Discovery Channel. Clayton, I don't get it. I've paid attention to Bill Nye, the science guy. I've been coming around for a really long time. Everybody else seems to feel something, but I don't. I don't feel anything. I only feel like this coffee is making me want to go to the bathroom, so as soon as you stop talking, I'm going out that door. I get it. I get it. That might be where you're at. I just want you to know I'm cool with it. Like, I don't want you thinking you can't come because you don't get it yet. No, 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 this is, ex- this is where people, this is a great place for people who don't get it. You can belong to this church before you believe. You can be treated with dignity and respect and love and care and concern long before, because that's how Jesus operated. Jesus loved people way before they believed in him. Like Jesus believed and loved in people before he even came to them. And if we're going to be a church that loves like Jesus, that is the hands and feet of Jesus, that's how we got to be. So listen, you are totally welcome here, wherever you're at on the spiritual spectrum. This is a place for you. But if you're going, you know what, I've been coming here long enough, and I feel like God's asking me to do something, it's time for you to start. You might be going, man, I've heard it for a long time. I've seen it for a long time. I've watched other people experience it for a long time, but it's never been my time. Well, maybe you need to take a step and actually ask some of those questions because you've been writing yourself excuses for a really long time. Like I would say yes to Jesus, but I just don't. Well, what step are you taking to solve the just don't? Thomas was at least honest. Man, I'll believe, but I gotta touch some holes first. Like what's your thing? I got to meet with somebody because I got some questions that need answers. Hear me. Can I do this in a loving way? Ask the question. Like the question's not going away. Ask it. What's the worst thing that can happen? Ask it. Talk to somebody who brought you. Talk to a pastor. Fill out a connection card. Ask it. Because it's not doing you any good to have the question in your head. Ask it. And maybe you, that's what you want to do is you have questions about what it means to start a relationship with Jesus in just a few moments. There's going to be people over by the baptistry, and they'd love to answer some of those questions or at least give you a place to ask it. The third group of people in here we got to finish strong. We got to finish strong. It's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. But you can't finish if you don't start. Some of you, you've been following Jesus for a really long time, and I'm just going to say this just gently, like a big smile on my face. Like, are you surrounding yourself with the people that you should be surrounding yourself with to help them grow in their relationship with Jesus? Uh, When that group of 12 are introduced, they're introduced as disciples, people who learned from God. Uh, The Greek word there is methetes. If you have someone named Matthew, that word comes from the word disciple, to learn from Jesus. They are originally listed as disciples, people who sat under, learned from, instructed by Jesus. That's how they're introduced. But that's not how they're introduced at the end of all of those books. Do you know how they're listed at the end of all those books, Bible scholars? Apostles. Do you know what the word apostles means? It doesn't mean old and gray with an attitude. It doesn't mean uh, rich and opinionated. It doesn't mean ruggedly handsome with a beard. It doesn't mean I'm, I'm just. I'm just saying. It doesn't mean those things. It means sent, commissioned on a mission, sent by God. They started off learning from God and then they were sent by God. And some of you have been disciples for too long and haven't been apostles long enough. And we should change that. We should go from learning from to being sent out to teach because you wouldn't have your faith if those dude had stayed disciples. You have their faith because they chose to be apostles. They chose to be sent. And if you haven't been sent, you haven't been close to Jesus because Jesus is always sending. All right, stand up. God, use this moment right here. Please, use this moment right here to bring about a change, not just in us individually, but in us corporately. God, do some deep work, some foundational work in us. Create a shift in our mindset or in our in our walk with you, break down some things that are holding us back, repair some things that have been busted in the past that need to be healed, but use this time, Lord, to reorient our church and our hearts more focused on you. In your name I pray, amen.